Welcome to another episode of Bears, the Bar, and Beyond the Baylor Pre-Law Podcast. This week's guest is an avid fan of Australian rules football, uh, underwater rugby, (laughs) underwater hockey, uh, was a theatre major at uh, UC Santa Cruz, uh, was a professional actor, and then went on to Georgetown Law to complete his JD, Uh, then went on to work in recruitment, as a legal recruitment specifically, and is now the uh, Associate Director of Admissions and Financial Aid at New York Law School. Ed Coughlin, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Ben. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. You've, you've got quite a story. So how did you transition or what caused you to transition from a career in theatre to, to law school? It was just a personal decision. Uh, my father was an attorney, so it was always the first thing I crossed off my list. Uh, but by the time I hit my early 30s, I was looking to make a transition out of theatre. Theatre is a, a hard road to hoe, as everyone out there knows. Uh, and I'd gone about as far as I was going to go and wanted to start a family and wanted something more uh, concrete uh, that I could uh, allow to open doors for me for different possibilities. I was not one of those uh, people who had a specific area of practice I wanted to pursue. Rather, I had become aware through many friends who had gone this route that law school was going to be a very valuable uh, thing to have accomplished, that the degree has currency in a min- many different industries. And uh, so I decided, I, you know, the more I looked into it, the more excited I became about it, fascinating area of study. And uh, when I came out, during the course of, of law school, I realized that uh, the actual practice of law was less interesting for me than the industry was. Mm. Uh, and I had a number of other friends who had gone through law school, uh, had practiced either negligibly or, or for a little while, and had decided that uh, there were other areas of the industry they found interesting. They had started a, a legal placement agency mm-hmm. when this was really becoming hot in the uh, mid-90s in New York City. And they were just a great group of people. So that's what led me to them. I think it also goes to show that it's a normal, a fairly normal path to go and do something after college the last before the t- going to law school. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I think that considering we get applications for people all the way up into their 60s every year. Uh, that, wow, that, that, even that late in the yeah, career. The, the national trends from what I've been able to tell, and, and you've probably seen these or, or, or similar ones, uh, are that about half applicants going into law school are coming straight out of college but the other half are out from anywhere from a year to 40 years. Yeah. You know, we have uh, doctors and police lieutenants and fire chiefs and, and everybody yeah. uh, applying to law school now because uh, not just because they've been inspired by a particular area of law, some of them have, but because 
there's a greater acknowledgement of the value of the degree in so many different industries. The training you get in law school, as you know, is uh, magnificent and, uh, and unlike anything else you could get anywhere else. So you were in California for your undergraduate studies. What, what made you choose D.C. as a place for your legal studies and, and, and why Georgetown? D.C., uh, my wife and I were both from New York City, wanted to start a family, and we're mm-hmm. thinking of raising kids outside of New York City. Gotcha. Uh, so that was basically the idea at the time. Uh, it's not how it worked out. She got her dream job in New York. We ended up raising our kids in New York, but that <laughs> turned out great, yeah. so no problems there. Uh, but I did have interests, though I, I mentioned no specific area of practice. I did have interests in policy and legislation, and so Georgetown was a, a no-brainer. Did you enjoy law school, or is it one of those things that you were glad you went through it, but you wouldn't say you necessarily enjoyed it? I did enjoy it. And part of that, again, this is, is personal for me and won't relate to everybody, but because I didn't have a specific area of practice that I was looking to get into, I was able to sort of indulge myself in uh, just getting whatever I could out of the education without necessarily thinking this had to be a stepping stone to something else. Is there, is there anything that you wish you'd done a little differently in your journey to law school? Maybe prepared slightly differently or perhaps been exposed to some practice areas before you gone? Or is there anything that strikes you as if you had your time again, you'd, you'd look at it differently? I got great advice from my best friend who had gone straight out of college into law school and then had become what he always wanted to be, a high school physics teacher, (laughs) which is another example of alternative roads. Uh, But again, uh, a person who's always very glad that he went to law school because of the training he got there. And he advised me to uh, spend a lot of time practicing reading good writing critically. Mm. Uh, He mentioned, you know, get your hands on uh, the Wall Street Journal, The Economist, The New York Times, and don't just read them just to make sure you understand what they're talking about, but rather uh, look for the arguments the author is making, think about your counter-arguments, think about their counter-arguments to your counter-arguments, uh, because essentially that's what you're going to be doing yeah. for several years in law school. Uh, and that was great advice. The additional component that I'd wished I'd known is to then also practice writing. Mm. Uh, I was in uh, jobs, series of jobs, even non-acting jobs, where writing wasn't a very large component. Yeah. Uh, very small little bits of marketing, perhaps, here or there for different things I was involved in. But you have to be able to translate that analysis and that awareness of arguments that you're getting from the reading you're doing into being able to coherently and hopefully concisely uh, be able to uh, formulate arguments on paper as well. So that's what I would say to the next generation of people. Did you find it a sharp adjustment when that, that especially 1L? Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could say that uh, having been out of graduate school for 9 years before going back, I had to get back in the swing of things. Yeah. Uh, And there were students, plenty of students, uh, who had interned in a legal office. But that only sort of gave them uh, an advantage in awareness of the vocabulary. And everybody who didn't have that experience beforehand kind of caught up after a few weeks or a month or so. Mm. So can you get yourself a little bit of an advantage? Maybe, but it's not huge. Uh, My law school offers... 
uh, the one where I work now, uh, New York Law School, offers a summer boot camp program mm -hmm. to all admitted students who are, are coming in just for a few weeks to sort of get them acclimated to law school. I think probably more than half the incoming students take it. Yeah. That's a nice transition. A lot of schools offer something like that. So I would encourage that, but it's not absolutely necessary. Yeah. Some of our listeners aren't actually undergraduates, but they're folks in law school mm -hmm. um, or about to start law school. Mm -hmm. And as we mentioned at the start, you've, you've got uh, a history in legal recruitment. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you were looking for in, in strong candidates for jobs when, when you were in that role? Well, it's not an entirely dissimilar answer to the one I give when students come up and say, what are you looking for in a student? Yeah. Uh, and that's that we're looking for some direction. Uh, I'd say there are really two answers to the question. One is a certain amount of awareness of the industry, awareness of one's self and one's strengths, and a direction and enthusiasm to apply them in a particular direction, rather than just, I'm doing this uh, because I can't think of anything better to do. Yeah. Which can be from an undergraduate level. You know, there's always that student whose mom always said they were argumentative and should go to law school. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they haven't really taken it much further than that. It's That's always right. It's sort of been an, uh, just something they thought was obviously going to happen. Um, but um, those who have actually taken the time to reflect, who have done some research and have decided... Uh, this stirs my passion, this particular area, and I want to apply myself. Uh, the other answer to the question is what we're looking for, and again, this will go for uh, attorneys looking to change jobs, attorneys looking to start, uh, people looking to law school, is competence. Competence is the great uh, valued quality hmm. that every employer is looking for. Uh, too many students get hung up on I shouldn't even apply for this or I shouldn't even go for that because I'm not already an expert in that area. Legal employers do not expect junior attorneys or students, certainly not students, to be expert in anything. Mm. You know, they, like any employer probably in any industry, come on into our office, we've hired you, we will train you how to do things our way. Our way is the right way, forget what you learned before. They'll look for a certain vocabulary, certainly, if you've gone yeah. to law school, but what they're really looking for is competence. They want to make sure you are the kind of uh, employee or the kind of student who shows up on time, who applies themselves, who doesn't have to be told the same thing over and over and over again. So I guess skills and potential really are, are what they're looking for. Exactly. Did you, did you find that uh, grades from law school were particularly important to your employer clients who were looking to, to hire? Okay. No, not at all. Mm. Uh, great myth in the legal industry, uh, which most students are not aware. And, and perhaps I should mention that before becoming the associate director of admissions at New York Law School, I was the associate director of career planning there for five years. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, uh, those employers for whom uh, class rank or law school GPA are important uh, are a very small sliver of the entire industry out there. The the large firms, the big law folks, big law yeah. folks who are going to pay you just scads of money right away, uh, and who wouldn't like to make six figures right out of school. Yeah. Uh, so if they didn't set very high standards, everybody would apply yeah. for those positions, and so they set these tremendously high, as you well know, these tremendously high hiring criteria. 
um, and that weeds out a tremendous amount of people, even the, the people who are interested in that area of law, not, of course not everybody is interested in that area, but for them, uh, because they need to go by numbers just to make their lives manageable, uh, GPAs and rankings uh, aren't important. They're the only thing that's important. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. everything. They're, the, they're the, the initial filtering process, yeah. The last stats I saw were uh, those big, well, those like AmLaw. Yeah, five, so for our listeners, 500 or more lawyers is, yes. is the de- general definition, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they make up uh, just less than 3% of the entire industry. Yeah. And depending on the year, they hire between 8 and 13% of all the lawyers in the country. So the vast majority of lawyers in the country are not going into those kind of jobs. That's right. And for the other jobs, and th- this I learned through all those years of recruiting, uh, what they're looking for are uh, language skills, tremendously valued, especially mm-hmm. in a place like New York, yeah. of course. Uh, previous experience, you know, really want to encourage all the law students to take advantage of whatever opportunities they have for externships and clinical work uh, while they're in law school. Uh, and uh, the most important criteria is how much I like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likability is a real thing because you're going to spend a lot of time with that person Absolutely. In, in the, in the in the work setting. I think that's a really good point which you bring up about the size of the legal market in the sense that most attorneys are working in firms of 50 or fewer lawyers across the whole country. That's where the vast majority of the profession is. Um, But if you do want to go to, you know, a Houston, a a Chicago, a New York, a DC, an LA, and you want to be in an AMLAW firm, which is, you know, what we, for for our listeners is, I guess, a listing of, of what are recognized as the biggest and the best firms in the country. They're going to be really picky, but other school, uh, sorry, other firms are going to be looking for different things, and certainly, I think school geography plays a big role in that too. It it can in a very mm. relationship driven industry, uh, because of that aspect of how much I like you. Uh, that I, I don't really mean that facetiously. Yeah. I mean they are, as you said, looking for a match to the people in the office. Yeah, and so at some point that's not entirely in your control Mm -hmm. and so try not to take it personally Uh, but that certainly goes towards um, honing interview skills and becoming comfortable with sharing yourself and learning how to be articulate in an interview setting Uh, law schools will help you with that career services offices and law schools will help you with that Um, so that that becomes tremendously important in a in a relationship driven industry if you can get in front of people and make those impressions, it can be a great advantage. Which is probably a, a good point to jump in and just remind our, our undergraduate listeners that while obviously when you're in law school, you've got to take advantage of the resources that Career Services uh, offers, but we have a career and professional development here, uh, office here on campus, and this is, this is just a reminder to our listeners to really take advantage of that resource, get experience doing uh, mock interviews, develop some of those soft skills because from everything you've said that is going to be a huge part of your success in the job market post post law school i read applications for our admissions committee and i can tell in a second whether or not an applicant has had their resume looked at by their office of career services Mm. or not yeah Uh, and that not only speaks to the quality of the resume and how that comes across but to that student's initiative you know, are they doing the steps that they need to do? Are they paying attention to the podcast that reminded them <laughs> to take advantage of yes, the listen to the podcast. services? Uh, it is tremendously valuable, uh, and there's absolutely no reason not to take good advantage of that. Good. 
Well, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk with you in a little bit more detail is a is an aspect of the application process itself. So for our listeners, if you are in the process of applying, episode three deals with personal statements. But I wanted to turn your attention to Addenda, which for our listeners is, is a document that not all law schools will offer, but most will allow. And it's an opportunity for you to address an aspect of your application that, that needs attention. Could you, could you tell us a little bit about what makes a good uh, addenda and, and why you might write one? Sure, of course. I'd be happy to. A couple of things immediately spring to mind. One is that um, part of filling out a law school application is merely a competency test. Uh, yeah. Law schools are looking to see, can you uh, interpret and follow instructions correctly? Uh, if they ask for a two-page personal statement, Don't submit. give them a four-page one. Submit a two-page personal <laughs> yeah. statement. Uh, if I get a two-and-a-half page, it, it doesn't necessarily discount you from being admitted, but it is noticed, yeah. to be sure. Uh, and so when you keep hearing about, make sure you go look over everything, uh, make sure there are no mistakes, we're really taking that seriously. Uh, if I notice a difference, uh, if there's a space in between the R and the comma at the end of yeah. the, a phrase, I will notice that. Well, because you will read the writing sample from the LSAT, but you're really judging the essays as examples of their best work. Absolutely. That that's, couldn't be more true. Um, so you want to make sure, if you are going to submit an addenda and with all of your submitted material, that it is as perfect as you can make it mechanically. Yeah. You know, uh, syntax, grammar, punctuation, capitalization, spelling, all those things just has to be perfect. And and with, with the, the software that we have, it's it's so easy to do that. It's just a reminder to take that five minutes to hit spell check. Just, just do it. And, and then re-spell check. Because yes. sometimes, you know, we well know there, there, there are there, some things that know, spell yeah. check won't count. Yeah. So, yeah, but you have to do that, certainly at first blush, and then go over it and go over it. Don't be shy about sharing it with yeah. perhaps somebody in career services will look at it for you. Yeah, Again, or, or we value. will look at it here in the pre-law, pre-law office. Yeah. So do get other people look at these things absolutely terrifically valuable and as far as content goes uh, it is important uh, with a lot of aspects of the law school application to pay attention to different schools requirements Uh, different schools as you said may encourage or may not mention addendum I don't believe that uh, there would necessarily be a school that would completely discount or Mm. reject one if submitted Uh, We are a a school, just for example, that encourages addenda on uh, hardships or diversity, Mm -hmm. but welcome anything that a student feels is going to give some further context to their application. And so if a student, for instance, uh, has a bad semester because uh, their folks' house had a fire and they had to spend time helping them out, uh, they got sick. Uh, they took time off for whatever reason. Perhaps they just took time off to make some more money. Yeah. You know, but if we see uh, anything that looks out of the ordinary without any explanation at all, it just leaves the admissions committee wondering what was going on. Yeah. And uh, their minds won't necessarily go to something negative, but you may as well take advantage of the opportunity of giving context to your academic record, your personal record. Uh, we really want the personal statement to be about the story you wish to tell, 
We mm. want you to feel comfortable devoting that space to what you you really want to convey to us about your experience or relationship or what drove you to law school and the steps you've taken and where you're going with that and wonderful personal statement things you've already covered. But um, that won't necessarily cover everything you feel as an applicant uh, needs to be uh, illuminated yeah. in your application. And so go ahead, throw an addendum, but with the caveat that every piece of written material you submit is going to be judged as part of your application. Yeah. So you have to spend as much time on an addenda, which would hopefully just be a paragraph. Yeah, certainly no more than a page. Certainly no more than a page. Yeah. Uh, if, 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 consider it an exercise in writing concisely. Yes, <laughs> which, which uh, is the if, bread and butter of legal writing. And it's going to be reinforced yeah. in all your years in law school. Let this be uh, an opportunity to practice that. Uh, and if in doubt, I, the answer is always contact the offices of admissions of the schools to which you're interested in applying. Uh, if anything, students are too reluctant to reach out and ask us these questions. Yeah, you're not upset to hear from somebody. We love to hear from somebody. I would much rather someone say, uh, I wrote this five-page personal statement, would that be okay? And have that conversation with them about how they should work on <laughs> working that down or whatever about an addendum, anything like that. I'd much rather have that conversation rather than just think, uh, too bad. And, and, and this, is a good, this is a good point to, to jump in and just say, if you were to call, if, if a student who is preparing to apply was to call you and ask you that question, you're not making a detailed file note. Do not admit this person. <laughs> they asked me this question it's not going to hurt their prospects by reaching out and asking a question and clarifying before they actually put their application in. It can only help. Yeah. That idea of an awareness that uh, I do not know everything. I understand that there is a resource for me to learn something I must know. I will use that resource. Is the person who's going to be a successful student and a successful lawyer. Yeah. So go ahead and exercise that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We'd much rather hear from you. So you talked about how personal statements... Uh, tell the story of the applicant and we talked about how addenda are generally reserved for either explaining a very clear negative or filling a gap in in the story of the application. Uh, one of the things I tell students to do apart from to remember that, to keep it concise is to make sure that there's real ownership in the issue. So to actually identify the problem, own it and then explain why it's not going to be a recurring problem because an addenda can be hurtful if you write one that basically says, this person did this, they caused this to happen to me, and it's their fault. Please disregard what happened. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. That's true. Most addenda that I've, I've read have followed your guidelines pretty well, but yeah. there are too many that just uh, explain how it was somebody else's fault. And... Even if something was someone else's fault, there is something to be learned. That, that's from exactly that. right. And so, even if that was the case, and often that is the case, you know, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I had no idea my friends were doing this, but I got swept up in yep. what happened uh, with through no fault of my own. But uh, I learned this about that. I realized my responsibility and and my part of being with them or in that place or whatever. Um, the ownership is great. It shows maturity yeah. uh, and a certain perspective, objective perspective that, that we'd love to see. So glad you said that. Yeah. Um, 
I think too, it's important to remember. So we've talked about situations where other people have influenced a, an outcome that we need to explain in an, in an addendum. But the same policy or the same rule applies. Let's say a student was to get seriously ill, and they had uh, that affected their grades. It's not their fault that they got sick, and so we're not expecting them to kind of, oh, I got sick and it's my fault. But like you said, there's always a lesson to learn. So perhaps I should have reached out to my professors earlier. Perhaps I could have made greater effort to organise for notes to be uh, obtained for me. And it's the same, I guess, with... Because we have a lot of folks who will start pre-med. Mm, and then after a year or two, will realise, uh, this is not for me. <laughs> but in that 12-month to 18-month period, their grades have taken an absolute beating. Yeah. And so an addenda for something like that would have to be along the lines of, I didn't know what I was trying to pursue. I've now turned things around. Here are the grades to prove it. Is it is that yeah, sound along, I, the, along I, the lines I'm of... chuckling because, uh, as we know, law schools are filled with people who thought they were going to be pre-med, pre-med yeah. until they took organic chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, as far, and it, it's important to note that. Um, when I say filled, you know, there's a noticeable number of people who yeah. have devoted themselves to further study and they realize there are issues in law that excite them as well. And so they've made that transition. Uh, but of course, organic chemistry is the cliche stumbling block yeah. for pre-med students. But it is true that um, uh, it, there is a wrong way to use uh, addenda as well. Uh, you do not want to raise red flags where red flags do not need to be raised. I do not need to read about your struggles in organic chemistry. I do not need any specific grade explained to me. Uh, uh, it's only if uh, a semester seems aberrant from the rest of your application because you had mono. Yeah. You know, and you really thought you were going to be able to tough it out, but when finals came, you just couldn't go. I mean, yeah. you know, that's just a, a typical story. Those stories are out there. But don't feel like you have to submit a multiple addenda to explain every bad grade. Everybody's got a bad grade on their transcript. That, that happens. And we do read the entire transcript. Mm. Uh, applicants should know that. Uh, we don't just reduce students to their GPA. We look at every class they took, see every uh, grade they got in those classes. And for trend, you're looking for trends we'll as well. love to see that upward trend yep. showing people's uh, maturity and devotion as they proceed through, through college. Uh, so, you know, bear those factors in mind, and when in doubt, contact us. Would you rather students write multiple addenda or a single large one? So let's say someone had a serious illness, and there was some other issue that they also had to explain. Maybe it was a, a minor in possession or a, some other issue that they had to explain. Would you prefer them to submit two separate addenda or a single one dealing with both? Two separate. Yeah. Two separate. Keep the keep the issues separately. Again, use those as opportunities to practice your concise writing and your your storytelling. Uh, no need to muddy the waters. Even if something seems somewhat related, they happen the same semester. Mm -hmm. Rather have them separate. Well, you bring up a good point about muddying the waters. You can do that when you say too much, and so again, that brings us back to the point of good writing, especially good legal writing, is clear and concise. Yeah. Review, edit, review, uh, as hopefully writing teachers you're having an undergraduate will keep reinforcing with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't just whip it off and think, well, that basically tells the story. I'll just submit it. No, yeah. no. Look at it again, put it down, walk away, go back to it. Measure twice, cut <laughs> once. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if we could, I'd like to turn our attention to another part of the application that 
I think often has uh, a lot of confusion for students. How do I go about getting this part of the application completed and how do I do it well? And that, that's the letters of recommendation. Uh, it seems to be the case that a letter that just talks about you being a nice person isn't <laughs> terribly helpful. But you, you guys want to see examples, right, uh, of the student demonstrating their ability in these letters of recommendation. The most compelling letter of recommendation for an admissions committee is going to be one that addresses the student's work product and their character. Mm. You're really looking to uh, get a letter from somebody who knows you very well. Admissions committees are not impressed with titles. I've got letters from senators, from CEOs of Fortune 500 companies that basically look like a form letter with just your name stuck in. Does the applicant no good at all? Or a judge who knows my cousin's auntie's sister's friend's brother. Right, yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, I've known his family for forty years, and he seems great. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Thank you. Uh, the lovely to hear from a judge doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, don't shy away from judges if you have that close relationship. But at the end of the day, uh, it is another instance where students have to pay very careful attention to the instructions they're mm -hmm. getting from the different law schools. Uh, some will require one, some two, some three, some put an absolute limit on them. I don't think any of us want to read four letters of recommendation. Yeah. I think that's a bit overkill. Uh, but again, read and follow the instructions. Some will insist that one come from a professor mm -hmm. or one come from a supervisor. Uh, for instance, New York Law School, we require one and it can come from any source. Okay. Uh, most of our applicants submit two or three, yeah. which is absolutely fine. Uh, but again, students follow the instructions. Any doubt, call us up. Uh, but it can feel uh, awkward, I think, asking for letters of recommendation. Uh, I, I feel like a couple of uh, mistakes that are made are, uh, well, first, the most obvious one is waiting too long to ask. Yeah. Uh, these letters will come from people who know you and love you and want to do right by you. They will agonize over these letters, sometimes for months. If you're asking professors, professors are uniformly much busier than they look. And so don't assume they're going to be able to turn something around in a few days or a week. Yeah. Uh, give them a nice, long look the opportunity to write this letter for you. So uh, let's say uh, I'm a freshman and it's the spring semester of my freshman year and I've just taken a course that I've really enjoyed and I've done extremely well on, but I am unlikely to be taking a course with that professor again. What would be your advice to that student? Well, you teed that up for me perfectly, Ben. Thank you very <laughs> much. Yes, the natural inclination, I think, is for students to wait until they're actually starting the application process to reach out and start asking for these letters of recommendation, by which point, if the student hasn't stayed in close touch or worked uh, again with that professor, uh, they've faded somewhat in memory. Students should not feel shy because it is part of professors' jobs and responsibilities to tell that professor, well, that's the wrong verb, to ask <laughs> very politely and cordially that professor if they would write them a good letter of recommendation. That's and in and in person where possible. Oh, oh, please. Yeah. Yes. Don't it, do it by email. Don't do it by email. All this should happen face-to-face. -face. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, don't be shy. Yeah. I know um, I have two kids in college. Uh, if they can do something 
over text, uh, they would rather do that than turn to the person next to them. Yeah. Um, so I, I realize that that's part and parcel to the way we communicate now, uh, but you uh, want to be uh, there in front of that professor and let them know that you intend to apply to graduate school, you intend to apply to law school, and if so, would they mind writing you a letter of recommendation? And that professor can just take a few minutes and make some notes and put it, it's so easy now. Yeah. Just make a few notes, put it in their computer, leave that until the, the time comes. And so they're not searching their brains. Um, during the course of that process, time may elapse. You may not realize that you wanted to ask that, that professor. Um, you certainly need to, when you get to that point of, of making that request, uh, want to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, for for that professor or that supervisor to provide you with that letter. So when you go in person to ask them, bring with you uh, examples of your work for that professor. Bring yeah. with you a copy of your personal statement. Your resume uh, as your, well. Uh, got to be your resume. Yeah. All parts of your application that you have put together so far and asked them for just five or ten minutes of their time so you can explain to them in person as well about why you're enthusiastic about going to law school, remind them a little bit about your relationship with them. Uh, it can make all the difference in the world. Uh, letters of recommendation are weighed heavily in the application process. Mm -hmm. So you need to spend the, the time that it takes to, to get the letters that you want. It's well worth it. Well, and I think, too, law is unavoidably a profession that involves relationships. You know, you've got to have good relationships with your um, law partners, with your supervisors, and also with your clients. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a really good opportunity for students to start to develop some of those skills. Uh, and relationships of any kind need investment. And so that means take advantage of office hours. You know, don't let the only interactions with your professors be those that you have in class. Mm -hmm. Go and get, if they assign a reading, go and read it. But then go and read something they didn't assign. Mm -hmm. And then go and talk to them about the two different opinions in office hours. What, what about students who maybe have graduated uh, and they're within kind of a two-year period? They uh, are scratching around for sources of letters of recommendation. They may maybe perhaps don't feel comfortable asking their current employer. Mm -hmm. How would they go about, what would be the best way for them to go about getting a letter from a professor? I think you'd want to go through the same process you would as you were an undergrad. Mm -hmm. You'd want to reach out, ask them for a meeting. Um, don't be shy if they're going to say no, they're going to say no, and that's okay. You, you can go to the next person on your list, but don't presume that you're going to get a negative answer just because you're no longer enrolled in yeah. their institution. Uh, hopefully, at some point during those years, you've gone to somebody's office hours, you've done well in the class, there's some professor you think will write you a good letter of recommendation, reach out to them. Don't be shy. Uh, professors, uh, by and large, are professors because they love students and they yeah. love working with students and they do want to help you. Uh, but then it really becomes incumbent upon the applicant to make it as easy as possible for that professor. Go to that meeting prepared. Bring your portfolio of yeah. this. This is the letter. This is the grade you gave me on this paper. Here, here's the paper. Uh, you know, here's the exam, or here's my resume. Here's what I've been doing. Uh, you know, make it as easy as possible for them to write that letter. And I think even if you've graduated, it, it takes at most 15 minutes, at most, 
to write uh, an email every few months mm-hmm. just to connect with your professor, just so that they have some point of references to who you are. That's a great lesson for the entire profession. Yeah. When I was a, a career counselor, uh, the best advice I always felt I was giving to my students is, is to have a working spreadsheet. Know your connections now. Certainly if you're entering, entering the legal profession, you need to start collecting lawyers as soon as possible. Uh, and the reason being is that it's a, the easiest way to stay in touch with people. Uh, if I meet a student at a career fair and we have a nice conversation, I will remember them for a couple months, two, three months, if there's zero contact mm-hmm. after that, uh, during which time I will have met hundreds and hundreds of other people. After a certain while, they'll start fading from memory. But if they shoot me an email three months later, it bumps them back it, to the top of my memory. That memory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and this is what uh, students should get in habit of doing with all of their legal contacts. It's so easy. If you if you meet five lawyers, you've met 50 lawyers, right? Lawyers tend to know other lawyers. Mm-hmm. So starting the network is is pretty easy. It's not as difficult as, as one might think. Even for a shy person, you can meet two, three, four, however many. But once that list is established, everybody gets a happy Thanksgiving email. I mean, it's not like you have to write a different email for everybody either. No. Everybody gets a, wow, just finished another semester, hope things are going well with you. You know, just that, that momentary touch uh, can I, I really learned this when I was doing legal recruiting. Yeah, I bet. People were really trying to, to get their foot in the door of different firms. I said, if, if you end up being that person where the reaction is, hey, you know who I just heard from? I heard from that, that woman, Sally. We met at the, hey, you know who she'd be good for? Yeah. I'm going to refer her to so-and-so. Uh, it's the same with your professors, certainly. You do stay in touch with anyone that you're even the least bit inclined of staying in touch with because they're in incredible resources and it's a such a small amount of investment for such a huge dividend at the end it's so true it's so easy just to write that that simple you know hope all's well with you have a great summer yeah you know and everybody gets that it doesn't have to go through like obviously there'll be some that you'll have a a bigger connection with and you want to ask about their dog or you know share some joke or send them a you know that's great sending a link to somebody it shows, you know, here's an article I thought you'd be interested in yeah. that reverberates back to, you know, previous conversations. They, they're they touched by how much you remember about them and their yeah. interests. Oh, that can pay huge dividends. So just, I guess, in summary for our listeners, uh, first thing is if you are going through this process or you're about to go through this process, please reach out to the pre-law office. We actually have some really helpful uh, handouts, one of which has actually come from New York Law School just as a, I guess, a template for how to have these conversations and the kind of, just reminders, I guess, of the kind of things you need to have with you. So resume, writing sample, personal statement, if you've got that, just to, you know, follow that process and give uh, your recommenders every opportunity and every resource to be able to write a really helpful letter. Because as you said, they they can make a, a big difference. To what extent do you guys, as you review applicants, look at social media? Uh, less than we will, <laughs> let me put okay. it that way, because uh, at this point, it's not something that's 
specifically reviewed for every applicant. Mm -hmm. uh, for some, there are particular reasons. Uh, if an applicant has pointed us in a particular direction, if it's made mention of in their resume or their personal statement. Like a blog, for example. Yes, yeah, some sort yeah. of involvement they've had on social media. Uh, I was the president of this. I was the social media director for this club or something like that. would love to go and look and see what they're doing. Uh, uh, it's not to a point yet where every bit of social media is always reviewed uh, in such a way as to try to find anything negative mm -hmm. about applicants. Certainly um, so not from my school, at yeah. least. Um, and I, I don't. I certainly hope that we'll never need to do that. Yeah. Uh, but it cannot be stressed enough that students do need to scrub their social media uh, because law schools very well might uh, stumble along. There, there are. Perhaps in another podcast, there are some horrible stories out there about uh, very inappropriate um, drug or sex-related uh, yeah. pictures or videos out there on the internet that students have not seen fit to, to take down. People being undone by things they may have posted years ago. Y yes. That yeah. may have nothing to do with who they are now. Uh, they may have been completely unaware yeah. of the picture being taken, had nothing to do with it, but it still exists out yeah. there. As we all know, it goes out there, it's, you're done. It's, it's done for the industry. It's available not just for law schools, but for future employers. Well, I was going to say, when you take your admissions officer hat off and you put your legal recruitment hat mm -hmm. on, then it's no less of an issue. Maybe even more, more yeah. Be, yeah, because a uh, law school will listen to your explanation. Uh, yeah. I will take your yeah, call. I'm not gonna I want to hear what's going. Yeah, but a, a, an employer doesn't have the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's a very big difference between applications and resumes for graduate schools and law schools and for employers. Uh, f the resume is a great example. Yeah, uh, I I am very happy to get your entire CV. Uh, send me a three or four page resume if you've done that many publications and been involved in that many clubs I, I want to see everything this is for the law school application for a law school application yeah. for an employer um, our, our office of uh, career planning at, yeah. in, in New York Law School we will get that resume down to one page yeah it re uh, legal employers all employers do not want to turn the page they want to see they're going to spend 15 seconds looking at your resume before they determine whether or not they want to interview you it's got to be punchy it's got to be right there up front yeah um, and well, Ed, this has been tremendously uh, helpful. Uh, if you've got further questions about an addenda, uh, about letters of recommendation, uh, or even social media issues, how to address those, uh, please reach out to us directly at prelaw at baylor.edu. Uh, and again, do uh, subscribe uh, through iTunes so that you'll stay up to date with all the new episodes as they come through. Ed, thanks again for your time. We really do appreciate it. And we look forward to speaking with uh, speaking with you, our listeners, next week. Ben, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.